This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time to set the table for all your Sunday action. Laying out the best bets. It's the Sunday Spread with Alex Gold and Nick Eshoo on the BetQL Network. All right, man. Does it feel good to be talking some football here on the Sunday spread? And this is the final weekend where we don't have any football or anything like that. We got all the way through the Super Bowl after these long months of the offseason. And Nick, it's good to be on with you, man. You're in you're in DC. I'm in KC. I'm curious too what the vibe has been like in the area there with your guys' offseason that you have a little Fitz Magic in store this year in the nation's capital. Well, I'll make a promise to you. The vibe is not as good as what you have in Kansas City in terms of expectations. But the thing is, is for so long, the expectations in Washington have been so low that the fact that you can talk about possible division winner back-to-back years and not get laughed at by somebody, it's a good start. I mean, right now you have adults in charge of the organization. Yeah, they won 7-9 and nine last year, but it was a 7-9 and nine that got them some experience in the playoffs, especially for the younger players like Chase Young, for example, that had obviously never been there in his rookie year. Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be boom or bust. You're going to have moments where he's going to be awesome. He's going to make great throws. We saw it in the preseason. And then you're going to have moments where you go, what are you doing? Where did that throw come from? There's a reason why he's tied for the uh, the league lead, possibly, you know, in terms of being the odds-on favorite to lead the NFL in interceptions because he makes those mistakes at times. But you also know with the added weapons that they brought into Washington in terms of receiver like a Curtis Samuel, although he's been hurt and hasn't really been out there much for them yet, like those types of things have added a lot of optimism. Landon Collins looks great. He looks like the Landon Collins from his days with the Giants. He's not missing tackles anymore back from that Achilles. The defense has high expectations. So you say all these things and you kind of convince yourself and go, hmm, maybe this won't be so bad this year. So it's been a long time since the expectations and the cautious optimism is what I like to always say about it. The cautious optimism around this team right now feels understandable and it feels reasonable, which, you know, again, it's not what you got going on in Kansas City, <laughs> but it's at least a step in the right direction for them. Yeah, that NFC East, we all know last year certainly was by far the worst division in football. And I, I don't know how much <laughs> don't better Don't remind actually... me. Come on. We were forgetting about <laughs> that. That's the past. You move on. I, I would want to move on as well. You guys found a way there in D.C., though, to win the division last year. And I know we're going to take a look at some divisional futures and, and see whether or not we believe that the Washington football team is a team that has a shot to win the division this year. Or is it those Dallas Cowboys who get Dak Prescott back, although questions with his shoulder as well. So we'll get to that a little bit later on. But you're right, in Kansas City, Nick, it is about Super Bowls and Super Bowls, Super Bowl or bust. That's the time frame we're in right now with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. They've hosted three straight AFC Championship games and, of course, back-to-back Super Bowls. And you, you, th- you mentioned forgetting about last year for, for the Washington football team, at least in the NFC East. Uh, that's how we feel about the Super Bowl that occurred down in Tampa. We don't want to talk about that. I refuse to go back 
and watch what occurred in the Super Bowl. That can never happen again. At least that was the, the mindset by the Chiefs front office and how they approached it this year. They went out and revamped that entire offensive line. Five new starters, including three rookies, which certainly brings plenty of questions as well. But they feel like they were able to solidify this offensive line. And even with the departure of Sammy Watkins, they feel like they have enough weapons offensively. We'll get to uh, some win totals, too, in a little bit, because Andy Reid has historically done very well if you're someone that's taken a look at win totals in Kansas City over the last couple of years. So it's going to be a lot of fun throughout this show. We're excited to talk some football. Of course, we're just a few days away from Thursday night football to kick this whole thing off. It will be those Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Bucks hosting the Dallas Cowboys. We've got some thoughts on that game coming your way in a little bit. But win totals, some of my favorite things to look at heading into the season. I know you got your big three. I've got my big three. And, and I want to start in the AFC South. There's one team in particular where I look at them and I, I just don't see them reaching that win total. And I like the under on the Indianapolis Colts. It's set at nine over at BetMGM. This is a team a year ago that went 11-5 and five with Phillip Rivers. And I think we would all agree really should have beat the Buffalo Bills in that first wildcard round of the postseason. But my issue with the Colts, among some of the injuries and the lack of a passing game, is that even if you were concerned already, which I was, about Carson Wentz, just can he possibly return to form from a couple years ago? Can he stay healthy? As now you have the COVID situation where the Colts have been one of the faces along with the Bills in terms of their own choice, yes, but a competitive disadvantage from their starting quarterback in Carson Wentz with him not being vaccinated. It's hard for me even before that to take this team to win over nine games in the AFC South. You look at their schedule, they're not favored, Nick, in any of their first five games. It's not until week six when they take on the Houston Texans where they might be lucky to win a game or two this season. So I, I like the Colts under a lot this year. The Colts are such a team that it, you look at the Carson Wentz situation and, and it's, it's, it's really boom or bust with them because Carson Wentz, let's say by some miracle, he doesn't get hurt again this year. I mean, you want to talk about if it's not one thing, it's another with somebody. I mean, you look at the injury in, in training camp, then you talk about the COVID situation and it's always something with Carson Wentz. But I look at that situation and go, the only way that they hit the over is if Carson Wentz looks like the MVP candidate we saw before the Eagles yeah. won the Super Bowl. And, of course, he tore his ACL, and then the rest is history after that. This is an opportunity for a clean slate for him. It's not just about the injuries, but it's also about the situation that you've got going on in Indianapolis versus Philadelphia. And, you know, once they don't like you in Philadelphia, that's it. It's over. And the fans wanted him gone for a long time. But it was also what was going on within the organization. And sometimes it's him looking over his shoulder going, am I going to lose my job again? Is Nick Foles going to take this again? Nobody wants me here. And it just felt so uncomfortable. You know, there's a certain point where if you've got bad relationships with people you work with, you just you can't repair it at times and people need a fresh start. It, it's it's human nature. So the one way that this could possibly work for them and I could see them hitting the over is it's got to be obviously a healthy Carson Wentz, but it's also got to be a Carson Wentz that's comfortable with his situation, comfortable with his surroundings. It's honestly, I, I find it hard to go down that road just because if you look at the history with him, we haven't seen that. It'd be one thing if, let's say, he was healthy in training camp. Well, he wasn't. So it's already kind of like, oh, we're going back down that road again. So I, I, I see the under with the Colts, too, simply because Carson Wentz is too much of a question mark. Yeah, T.Y. Hilton on IR to start the season. Eric Fisher, who they, they get over from Kansas City to be their starting left tackle, he's still recovering from that Achilles injury. So I just think there's too many injuries. 
and question marks with this football team for me to feel comfortable to even consider taking the over. What about you? I, I've got a couple more, but what, what's your first one that you like here when we take a look at some of these win totals? You know, I actually like the Ravens under 11 and a half. They're at BetMGM at 11 and a half. And the reason why is J.K. Dobbins. That, that's a massive, massive loss for them. And, you know, I watched that third preseason game, obviously, up close when they were playing Washington. And you see some people going, well, why are they playing their starters in this game? And, you know, John Harbaugh came out, defended himself and said, look, we, we barely played our starters overall, but we wanted to give them a little more reps. And look. I was hoping Washington was actually going to play their starters in the third preseason game. There's a benefit to that because they needed that opportunity to get more rhythm with them. So Baltimore then loses out. Baltimore has that negative effect of playing your starters. But we know this. Like, it's not perfect. Guys can get hurt running around in training camp, in off-season workouts. The overarching issue with that, though, is that now there's going to be more pressure on Lamar Jackson. Now, Lamar Jackson obviously showed in his MVP season, he went from, well, this guy can't throw the football at all to, wow, he's worked hard this offseason. He looks like a legitimate quarterback, deserved to be MVP. But we did see some regression last year. Some of it is also just teams figuring it out. You know this, a lot of these quarterbacks that have a multitude of skill sets, they just surprise people. I, you, people don't realize like what they can do. You've got to learn their tendencies. You've got to get more film on them, figure out what their weaknesses are. So Lamar Jackson now with J.K. Dobbins out for the season, the real big issue is he's going to have to show that he can evolve as a quarterback and be a more consistent passer and also take advantage of the fact that he is obviously still incredibly athletic, but he's got to find more of that balance. And until I see that, I'm just not comfortable taking the over on that, especially losing J.K. Dobbins, which we know this team loves to run the football. Yeah, it's all on Gus Edwards now, which is a huge, huge yeah. loss for Baltimore. I'm with you there. The other part with Baltimore is their wide receiver core. They went out and drafted multiple wide receivers, but they're all banged up right now. They go and get Sammy Watkins. We know he's not exactly a guy you can rely on to play 16 games. You'll be lucky to get 9 or 10 out of him. When he's healthy, he's a huge factor, but the health is the big question with him there. I'm with you, and you, you brought up preseason. How about that? 20 straight preseason wins for John Harbaugh. I love it, man. You got to keep riding that as long as it lasts. Got to carry that into to next season as well. You know, the most amazing part about that is teams really aren't trying to win in the preseason. I mean, you're throwing guys out there. You're like, okay, let's see who can go out and win the third linebacker position, middle linebacker, whatever. Like, it's really just putting guys out there to try to compete for the spots. Starters get a little bit of time, shake the rust off, make some plays. But the fact that they've won 20 straight preseason games when you're not even trying to win preseason games is remarkable. <laughs> but the problem is, is then you also then lose J.K. Dobbins. You lose a very important piece to your offense. Right. And you go, well, was was it really worth it? You're not hanging a banner for it. I mean, maybe they should at this point so they at least feel better about it. And like, well, we lost J.K. Dobbins. But, hey, we've won 20 preseason games in a row, everybody. So it was totally worth it for us. I want to go to the AFC East a little bit now as we continue our big three win totals looking ahead to the start of this 2021 season, and it's the Miami Dolphins. I just am not buying into Tua whatsoever. I feel like the Dolphins got bailed out by Ryan Fitzpatrick multiple times. Tua's not going to have that luxury this year, and over at MGM, that total for them is at nine and a half. It's actually gone down to nine in some other places, so it kind of tells you where, where, where some people are thinking this is headed as well. I just look at that division as well that they're in. The Buffalo Bills clearly are the class of the AFC East. I think the Patriots, even with a rookie quarterback and Mac Jones starting right out of the gate long-term, I think that's more beneficial for New England than if they would have started Cam Newton from week one going forward. It might be a little rocky the first week or two, but long-term this season, I think it equates to more win for the Patriots. I struggle to see the Dolphins, who everybody seems to like. I like Brian Flores as well. They are a fun team. 
you, you take a look at that secondary, it's impressive. But I just look at two. I don't think he's consistent enough. I got to see a lot more before I would consider taking the over. I like the under here, another under, to start things off here in the big three looking at the Miami Dolphins. You know, there's a trend with yours so far, and I like the trend, and I think it's the right direction to go. It's it's quarterback with every team because as we know in the NFL, if your quarterback position is any, even just a tiny little bit of a question mark, that affects the entire team and your entire season. Now, we can argue whether quarterback is too important in the NFL. Now, that's a whole other discussion I'd love to have at some point because <laughs> it's gotten to the point now where if you don't have a quarterback but everything else is great, you're still looking at your season going, I don't know, we may win double-digit games just because of that. But the issue clearly with Tua Tagovailoa is just that. Are we going to see consistency? Are we going to see somebody that can take that next step? And that's really going to be the overarching question with that team for the entire season. They're definitely well coached. They're not a, a complete train wreck anymore. And that was that was really where the, it started off. It was like, you know, before they draft Tua, are they going to go 0-16 just so they can draft him? They end up getting him later. And you've got Ryan Fitzpatrick at times last year, Fitzmagic, and, you know, you then end up benching him and you put two out there. He bailed out, two and out say, man. He bailed him man, out so many times. Multiple times. And that's why I'm excited he's in Washington because he's going to bail us out at least a few times. So we'll take <laughs> it. But, you know, as long as quarterback is a question mark for really any team, that's always going to be the issue. And by the way, the Patriots are going to be better this year. They had, what, eight guys sit out last season because of COVID. Yeah. They opted out and didn't want to play. That Patriots team, I know they were 7-9. and nine. They're not a 7-9 and nine team. They're going to be a lot better this season, and that's going to affect the Dolphins and their win total, too. I, I totally agree with you there. The last one of the big three for me, we go to the AFC West, and it's the Chiefs' win total. They're at 12.5 heading into this season. It's actually plus 120 at MGM, so there's, there's actually a lot of people going the opposite in here because it is a, a high win total, no question about that. The 17th game is always interesting in how we view these win totals now. We all kind of have to change our mindset of how we, we view them just because of that additional game. The Chiefs are 38-6 with Mahomes as a starter and Andy Reid for now, eight now straight seasons. Now you're just seasons. bragging. Now you just get to enjoy <laughs> this. Like, I get it, man. I get it. They're great. <laughs> the Chiefs have gone over that preseason win total, Nick. Eight eight straight seasons under Andy Reid, and he only has one season where they haven't even won double digits. I, I still like this quite a bit. It is a tough stretch right out of the gate, opening up against Cleveland and Baltimore. You got Buffalo involved there. The Chargers involved. Their easiest game to get started is going to actually be on the road in Philadelphia against Jalen Hurts and company. But this Chiefs team, they're they're consistent right out of the gate even with that schedule. Patrick Mahomes has never lost in the month of September either. Andy Reid off of bye weeks, extended time. There's just too many things for me to consider taking the under. I know I got the Chiefs helmet behind me, but I still – I think you just got to look at history and what they would tell you, uh, the numbers overall. And I love the over here for Kansas City at 12 and a half. Yeah, I'm going to take you down to the dumpster fire for my next one, and that's going to be in the AFC South. The Houston Texans are a complete mess, and I'm an expert on dumpster fires and complete messes because I've covered a team in Washington for quite some time. <laughs> that has been that way. Give me the under three and a half for Houston because we have no idea what this Deshaun Watson situation is going to be. But they're saying something without saying something, right? You know, people can drop hints with just their actions. They're doing that by putting Deshaun Watson third on the depth chart at quarterback. He's it's like, clear. listen to his other He's listed as it, other, yeah, I think, too. It's so 
it's just such a complete mess with this situation. And obviously, it's more than just what's going on on the field. There's off the field issues with that, where you have no idea when he's going to be available, if he's going to be available, if there's NFL discipline, any of that. To me, the Houston Texans, I, they maybe win one game this entire season. But look, it also goes back to the quarterback situation with them, too. It's obviously very different. But you got a head coach that already is like, why did I take this job? This is a complete disaster. It is a complete mess down there in Houston. I wouldn't touch anything more than maybe two wins for them. And my final one, too, is actually going to be the Saints under nine. It's This is going to be Jameis Winston's season where you're going. I think you're going to see improvement from him, but you're also going to see a lot of mistakes still. He's going to get better. He's going to be better coached. He's going to be in a situation in an offense that's going to make him, I think, more efficient as a quarterback. But you got they've had they've had Drew Brees there forever. So just the fact that you have a new quarterback there, new system, Taysom Hill is going to be thrown in there at times, and they're going to try weird gadget plays with him. The Saints aren't going to be the same Saints team that we've seen in the past, and strictly it is just because of the fact there's no more Drew Brees there. So those are our big three win totals heading into the start of this NFL season. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at the Defensive Player of the Year. Yes, of course, Aaron Donald is the favorite for a reason, but I've got one value play for you. We'll also look at those divisional futures, and we'll start over in the NFC West and the AFC West. This is the Sunday Spread on BetQL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Alex Gold and Nick Ashew on BetQL. All right, let's get right into it. Take a look at some of these divisions. And I think we have to start with the toughest division. I don't know if you agree, Nick, the toughest division to predict this year in the NFL, the NFC West, where you've got the Rams and yeah. the 49ers and the Seahawks and the Cardinals. I think you can make a case for all these teams to make the playoffs. Certainly that's not going to happen, but I, I think nobody would be surprised with, with any of the four to make the playoffs. Maybe three of the four to win the division. The Rams are and the 49ers are both plus 190 over at FanDuel. The Seahawks plus 275 and the Cardinals plus 600 to win the NFC West. My issue with the Rams here, and the reason why I actually like the 49ers is I'm still not a believer in Matthew Stafford. I know everybody thinks he was just in a bad situation, which it is in, in Detroit. But I think overall, Matthew Stafford's not just going to run in there and, and rack up 11 or 12 wins with the L.A. Rams. I like Sean McVay. They also have a running back issue now with, unfortunately, the, the injury that occurred during training camp that I have some questions about that, that rushing attack for Sean McVay and company. I like the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan, to me, is one of the best coaches in the league. Jimmy Garoppolo is good enough to hold things down for five, six weeks, maybe more, 
until maybe they decide to, to hand things over to Trey Lance. If that team stays healthy, it's one of the most talented rosters in football. I really like the 49ers here. Uh, their quarterback situation actually worries me a little bit. I, I understand Jimmy Garoppolo holding it down for a few weeks certainly makes sense, right? But he's also somebody right now that looks kind of broken, kind of just looking over his shoulder going, well, they brought in Trey Lance. It almost reminds me to a smaller degree of where Carson Wentz was at the end with Philadelphia, where it's clear you're not part of the future. You've already got somebody that's a young rookie quarterback coming in that's looked very good in preseason not every time but not he's had his moments where obviously you go oh Trey Lance is clearly a rookie but you see that talent you see that dynamic ability that he has on the field I worry a little bit about Jimmy Garoppolo if he's the starter for the first few weeks where they then say all right he doesn't have it anymore let's go in and put Trey Lance in and then you get some rookie mistakes from him and I think that that can hurt the 49ers a little bit I actually like the value at plus 280 with Seattle and I I understand you've got a lot of talented teams. I mean, really, if you look at the Cardinals, I mean, maybe there's an opportunity there at plus 600 where they just sneak in. You know, this is Kyler Murray's breakout season. That's where the real value is. But if you're kind of looking middle of the road where it would make a little more sense, it's not as much of a long shot. What Russell Wilson has been able to do in Seattle for years with a bad offensive line, and they've tried to go out and make some improvements this year. One of the things that he complained about was they weren't giving him enough input just on the offense. And they've made it clear now that they're going to give him more of that because even if it's just rumors, rumors that you don't want to be there anymore, if you're Seattle, you're going, we got we to gotta figure this out. We've got to make sure. Like There should not have even been a conversation about Seattle trading Russell Wilson. I actually like Seattle in this situation if you're looking for just a little bit of value because that division does have so many different teams that have the possibility of winning it. Yeah, quite a few are interchangeable there. The offensive line, will it be improved for Seattle? A big question. So that's the NFC West. You go over to the AFC side of things in the AFC West. It's a division that has been controlled by the Chiefs, and there's no value here to take Kansas City to win the division. I just stay away from this. Honestly, this is a division where I pass on it. The Chiefs are minus 275, the Chargers plus 450, Broncos plus 700, and the Raiders at plus 1,800. I know every offseason people fall in love with the Chargers and think this is their year, and I love Justin Herbert. I think he is already a top-10 quarterback in this league. I'm a big believer in Justin Herbert, but as a first-year head coach in Kansas City for at least one more year, this is their division. Maybe next year it's the year that we start to say maybe there's a legit chance for the Chargers to win it. But, Nick, I, I just got to stay away from this division entirely. There's just no value here. This is going to be what we had for so long with the Patriots, right? I mean, this is basically the AFC East now moved over to the West with the Chiefs because this team is poised to dominate this division for the next decade. I get it. You mentioned the Chargers. We talk about their future, and that's fine. But right now with what Kansas City has already been, I, I think, you know, we have an MVP there that kind of helps out a little bit with the whole conversation of this. <laughs> in the end, I just look at this division and go, yeah, I, I wouldn't touch anything in this because not only is there no value, but the only way things change, and I, I don't want to jinx this for you, so don't get mad at me, is if, knock on wood, this doesn't happen for you because I care uh, if Patrick Mahomes gets hurt. That's the only way that anything changes that in there. this division. Don't put that out I, I, there. I don't want to. I told you. I, I, I don't want to jinx it. I knocked on wood for you, but that, that's the only way that that happens. And the Broncos, they're a one hope. And the reason why people were putting some bets in on the Broncos at one point was they thought they were going to have a chance to get Aaron Rodgers. We know that ship sailed, you know, weeks and weeks ago. So Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, the Broncos just, uh, you know, there's been win totals that maybe are interesting for the Broncos. Other than that, I don't see any value really in the AFC West. Okay, back to the NFC, the NFC North. We were just talking about that dynamic of keeping 
you know, Aaron Rodgers happy and why the Seahawks need to keep Aaron, uh, Russell Wilson happy. NFC North, Packers are minus 165, Vikings plus 250, Bears plus 550, and the Lions plus 2,500. This is a division much like the AFC West, where it's not quite as heavy on the juice here, where I would still be willing to put a bet in for the Packers. There, there's nobody else that I can side with here in the division. It's not the Vikings, similar to to what we discussed with the Colts earlier in the show about just still the dynamic of, of COVID from a competitive standpoint, not to mention Kirk Cousins in general and big-time games. We know his track record there, certainly in primetime games as well. I got to go with the Packers here. It's another division, but at least at minus 165, I can still put a little something down here and feel like I, I'm, I'm not going to have to, to lay too much down. Yeah, I see the Packers running away with this division. This is Aaron Rodgers' swan song, his farewell tour, even though he says he doesn't want it to be that case. He's going to have something to prove, and we may see another MVP season from Aaron Rodgers this season. There's just no way, again, barring any injuries, that Green Bay doesn't win this division. Then over in the AFC North, this is a really interesting division as well. You've got, of course, the, the Baltimore Ravens, who you brought up. You like the under on their win total. They're plus 115, though, to win the AFC North. Browns plus 150, Steelers plus 425, and then the Bengals sitting there, unfortunately for them, at the bottom, as expected, at plus 2,500. I, all offseason have said, I don't understand the offseason talk about the Cleveland Browns. Yes, the Cleveland Browns roster improved this offseason, but my big question is still the quarterback in Baker Mayfield. I don't believe in 2021 you can have a quarterback that gets carried by the rest of the team to, to go win a Super Bowl or gets the Super Bowl and, in, in fact, win that division. I still like Baltimore despite the J.K. Dobbins injury here. I, I like the, the Baltimore Ravens, excuse me, at plus 115 over Cleveland I still got to see more from Baker Mayfield to believe in it and despite what they have been able to do in the offseason which everybody's talking about this defense improving drastically there's a lot of value in the Steelers at plus 440 and when I look at that and see Najee Harris added to that offense they've always been a team obviously that likes to run the football that'll take a little pressure off a much older Ben Roethlisberger at this point now I mean Harris has a chance to be rookie of the year this year if you're looking for a little more of a value pick to win the division I actually really like the Pittsburgh Steelers big Ben final year perhaps uh, for, for him there in Pittsburgh Mike Tomlin's always able to figure it out Najee Harris I can't wait till we get to some offense rookie of the year and some futures here in a little big I know that's a popular name for a lot of people if that offensive line uh, can hold up this year. Najee Harris, very intriguing there as well. Okay, let's go over to the AFC East here, Nick. And there's a rookie quarterback starting for two of these teams and a second-year guy starting for the other. Uh, how am I going to go inside? I hate to be square here, but how am I going to go inside with, with with some of these rookies over the Buffalo Bills who are minus 150? The Dolphins are plus 325, Patriots 350, and the Jets at plus 2,500. I think the division is improved this year. I don't believe the Bills are going to rack up as many wins as they had a season ago because of the Patriots being improved. And I do think the Jets are on a pushover with Zach Wilson this year and a better coaching staff involved. But I like the Bills at minus 150 to come out of the AFC East. The Bills make sense. There's a reason why they're, they're the clear favorites here, right? I mean, they win 13 games last year. This is a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. The only thing that gives me just a little bit of pause is that New England Patriots team was 7-9 and nine last year because of all those guys, like I mentioned, that opted out. I get they've got Mac Jones, a rookie quarterback, out there. But you've got a strong run game. You've got a very, very good defense that actually has all of those pieces added back again. Oh, and you got a quarterback in, or a coach in Bill Belichick that actually knows how to get the best out of everybody. 
at plus 360 for the Patriots, there's at least an intriguing play there with them to win that division. Am I really comfortable with it? No, because the Bills are still obviously a much better team. But this is an opportunity where we could see a much better Patriots team than we did last year, simply because the team's just constructed in the way that they actually expected it to be. Plus, they went out and added some weapons offensively as well in the offseason. Over on the NFC side, the NFC East, your, your division there out in D.C., I know you've been keeping close tabs on this one. Cowboys are the favorites still to come out of that division at plus 135. And then it's Washington plus 220, Giants plus 450, and, and the Eagles at, at plus 500. I think there's only three teams to me that I would even consider putting money on in this. And it's it's not the Eagles. It's the Giants, Washington, or the Cowboys. And, and I, I actually like the Giants on a value play here at plus 450. I, I ultimately, if you look at that, division there's nobody to me that's clearly the favorite even the Dallas Cowboys if Dak's healthy I don't think they're clearly the favorite we saw Dak last year went healthy they still got off to a slow start so this is the division where I'm willing to take a little bit more of a flyer on some value I'll go with Daniel Jones yes Daniel Jones and the Giants at plus 450 because of the value there I think they've surrounded him with the most talent he's had in his young career I think it's worth a flyer it's the most unpredictable division again there has not been a back-to-back winner of the nfc east since 2004 so keep that in mind washington won last year at seven and nine if dallas is a fully healthy team and by fully healthy we know it's the nfl and you only go so far clearly it's got to be dak and a more in shape ezekiel elliott they most likely win the division i get a lot of people are jumping on the washington bandwagon i still have concerns about ryan fitzpatrick and that offense and the type of chemistry that they're going to have the defense is certainly their strong suit but go look at what they did in the playoffs against the bucks I mean, they gave up 500 yards of offense, so they actually weren't a great defense in that game. But I'm with you a little bit on the Giants there. And you talk to people that actually cover the team, they're like, well, this offensive line is terrible, and people were freaking out <laughs> at the way they looked in the preseason. Yeah. But of course that's the way that it is, because Giants fans are just upset with how the team has looked for years. Daniel Jones, by the way, looks like a Pro Bowl quarterback every time he plays Washington. So he has the ability to do it. I think he's won like five straight against them. He just is a completely different player against them. But when you look at the division overall, it is still a relatively wide-open division. And who knows? I'm not, I don't have confidence in Jalen Hurts, but I do look at that and say, I mean, they could actually sneak up on some teams at least early on. Here's the key. Look at Washington's schedule very early on. You've got a ton of Pro Bowl future Hall of Fame quarterbacks on your schedule before Halloween. That's going to hurt their win total early. They're going to have to make up for that on the back end. And it gives the team like the Giants as a sneaky value play to give you something there. Do you think 10 wins? Does 10 wins get it done in the NFC East? Uh, as long as these teams are relatively healthy, especially a quarterback, then yeah, we may finally have a double digit. Yeah, look, plus you have that <laughs> extra game, which by the yeah, way, that helps too, yeah. because like for once it'd be nice to see a team make this division at least look respectable, but they beat up on each other every year. They all know each other so well, and it's just, they're always competitive games. And I, I see it being a 10 and seven team, probably winning this division. Now look, Washington has a chance to do that. But the Dallas Cowboys are certainly the better team, at least offensively. Washington's better defensively. And that's what kind of makes the Giants a little bit sneaky there. I'm with you on that. Alex Gold, Nick Ashview with you. It's the Sunday spread here on BetQL. We continue to go through some divisional futures. And we move over to the NFC South, uh, Super Bowl champion Bucks down there. Now Drew Brees no longer with the Saints. It's Jameis Winston. It's the Falcons with the new head coach. It's the Panthers' second year of Matt Rule, but a new quarterback in Sam Darnold who – if we don't figure him out by the end of this season, we're, we're, I don't know how you, you wouldn't be able to decide what he is based off of this. He's, he's got no more excuses. He's got a new regime now. So 
in that division, uh, I, I think you got to look at the Bucks here. I don't see the Saints winning this division. If Tom Brady's healthy, it's the Tampa Bay Bucks. It's like what we've discussed with the AFC West, except it's not as heavy uh, on the juice there, but it's the Bucks. It is the exact same thing as the AFC West. Tampa Bay is a loaded team, not just a loaded team. They're a super team. That brought everybody back, which makes it even more frustrating. I, Tampa is the runaway winner in that division. Then over in the AFC South, this is my favorite one out of the bunch here, where if I look and the Titans are minus 110, I think this is a terrible division. I love the Titans. I like the Titans' win total as well. The Colts are, are there at plus 150, the Jags plus 650, the Texans plus 2,500. A lot of bad football teams in the AFC South. It's the Titans and Colts, the only two you can even possibly consider and at minus 110, I, I got to go with the Tennessee Titans. They're the experienced team. They won double digit games a year ago. They add Julio Jones to the mix. And their team, overall, if you look at, at the coaches in the division, I like Frank Wright, but they still have probably the, the second best coach in the division. So you're saying you don't like the Texans at plus 2,300. Okay? <laughs> I'm going to write <laughs> yeah. that down. Ty, don't, Ty don't pick yeah. Texans to win division. Yeah, it's the, the Titans are clearly the best team there. But if Carson Wentz is healthy, like we talked about a little bit earlier in the show, there is a possibility there with them at plus 140. That's obviously not necessarily a ton of value with it. But we know quarterback play dictates so much of the success in the NFL. And if Carson Wentz can get close to what he was years ago, and that's a big if because we haven't really seen much in terms of that track record recently, it gives the Colts an opportunity. But the Titans are clearly the best team in that division. Yeah, the, the Texans in that division, I mean, right there, I know they'll, they'll surprise maybe one team this year. Last year, everybody thought the Jets were going to go for the offer, and they surprised the L.A. Rams. But if you're, you're taking a look at the Titans and you start trying to add up the wins for them, I mean, I just, I just don't see how anybody's going to catch them. Even if you're not as down on the Colts as I am on the win total, if you think, hey, the Colts can find a way to win 10 games, I'm still looking at the Titans. And I think, I think the Tennessee Titans might even challenge the AFC contenders like the Chiefs and, and the Ravens and the Bills for the, the most wins in the AFC just because of that division. I'm just so down on that division overall, and I don't think anybody looks at Jacksonville as a team that's going to rack up any wins by any means either with Urban no, Meyer and, uh, and Trevor Lawrence. Urban Meyer, he looks like he doesn't want to be there. He's just on the sidelines. You're watching him going. He's already going, I, I miss college. This is, this is not what I signed up for at all. But you do have a future franchise quarterback potentially in Trevor Lawrence, so that certainly gives him at least a little bit of a benefit there. It is the Sunday spread here on BetQL. Coming up next, are there really only two players to look at for Offensive Rookie of the Year? And we're not too far away from Thursday Night Football, our first look at the Bucks and the Cowboys. Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Alex Gold and Nick Ashew on BetQL. Uh, we continue to get set for the 2021 season. We'll take a look at that Thursday night game, the Bucks and the Cowboys here in just a second. But, Nick, you look at some futures on season awards. These are always a lot of fun. And I, I think we start with defense here. And Aaron Donald's a favorite for a reason. Miles Garrett's 6-1 to one for a reason. Aaron Donald won it last year. It was Stephon Gilmore prior to that, and then it was back-to-back -back seasons of Aaron Donald. So he, I'm, not, I'm not saying he shouldn't be the favorite. He's the most dominant football player 
on, on defense that we've ever really seen at times. And, and he makes these offensive lines look like they're even if even if they are one of the better lines, he makes them look like college offensive lines at times. But there's a value play I like here, Nick, and it's Chris Jones for the Kansas City Chiefs at 50 to one. And I know I see you're smiling. Of course, you got to go to a Chiefs player. Of course. I I know you think I'm just going with a homer pick here, but here's the thought process with it. I just think he's seriously undervalued. Chris Jones, his career high in sacks is 15 and a half. So we've seen that he is capable of getting a high sack total, which I know is not the end-all be-all in order to win Defensive Player of the Year because there's history that shows us you don't have to be the sack leader last year, right? T.J. Watt was the sack leader, and Aaron Donald was the Defensive Player of the Year. But Chris Jones has looked great in preseason, great in camp, and he switches to a new position. And I think that storyline helps him a little bit. If he finishes towards the top in the league in sacks, the fact that he switches to defensive end for the first time in his NFL career – and they're going to use them on first and second down on defensive end, but move them back inside with Jaron Reed on third down. I think we're going to be sitting here six or seven weeks in the season, and we're going to see at 50 to one, you're going to say, man, I wish I would have taken it at 50 to one because he now might be 15 to one or 20 to one. I think there's just great value there. It makes a lot of sense because the biggest thing to keep in mind is that it's usually pass rushers that win this award. If you go back and look at the history, they tend to get the votes. Look, Aaron Donald winning three of the last four years, this is like saying in the NBA, Michael Jordan could have been MVP every single year. There's a certain point where there's also voter fatigue, and you got to keep that in mind, the human element behind this when it comes to just the voting. I really like T.J. Watt at plus 750 here. He was the runner-up last year. We talk about Aaron Donald winning it almost every year. There's a certain point where I feel like guys go through this growth in their career for certain awards like this, or especially Defensive Player of the Year. Great pass rushers have to kind of be the runner-up. You slowly start creeping up until you finally win. T.J. Watt makes a lot of sense here. Although, if we're picking our homer teams, then I guess I'm going to have to go Chase Young at plus 1,100 because apparently that's part of the stipulations of this. Although, I will say this when it comes to Chase Young. He only had seven and a half sacks last year. If you go back and look at Von Miller, uh, Khalil Mack, Miles Garrett, look at their sack totals from year one to year two. They've gone up exponentially. And Chase Young is going to be very, very healthy at the beginning of this year knock on wood, compared to where he was last year. He had a groin injury, so he was very, started off very slowly. He's looked explosive. He's looked like somebody that's ready to burst on this scene and have not only double-digit sacks, but we're talking 15 or 16. So I slightly joke when I say that, but his odds aren't that far off from the top. He's like fifth or sixth right now at plus 1,100. So there actually is some value in that, too, just given what guys do from year one to year two at his position. I'm with you on the pass rusher element here. I mean, I know Stephon Gilmore won it as a member of the secondary in New England a year ago prior in 2019. But for the most part, I got to pick a pass rusher. So I, I have no issue yeah. with the Chase Young thought process whatsoever. TJ Watt certainly makes sense as well. But that's just a value play for me. 50 to 1 odds. Put a little bit on that. Over on the rookie side of things, offensive rookie of the year got a lot more interesting this week with the news, of course, with Mac Jones, now the starter in New England as Cam Newton is no longer a member of the Patriots. And I, I don't know where you're at on this, Nick, but for me, I think there's only two quarterbacks if we're looking at offensive rookie of the year that you should even be wasting your time with. And, and that is Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. And it's because of playing time. Mac Jones may be playing, but I don't think he's throwing the football enough to put up the numbers required to be offensive rookie of the year. And while I love Justin Fields and I love Trey Lance, those guys aren't going to get enough action this year fields 
Maybe you're someone that thinks he gets in after four weeks. Maybe it's further than that. Trey Lance might be two months before if we see him this season. And so I struggle even messing with them, whereas I see Trevor Lawrence is 4-1. to one, Zach Wilson is plus 600. I actually like Zach Wilson a lot here for the Jets at plus 600. He's looked good in preseason. I like the coaching staff. I feel that they actually have some better weapons. The question with him is, does he suffer the same fate and really for Trevor Lawrence as well as Joe Burrow, which is bad offensive line play. But I think that they're both in the same boat here. I'm only messing with Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, though, if I'm putting any money on these guys. And I like Zach Wilson here. You and I are in the same boat. This is going to be one of the first times that we really agree <laughs> on this because Zach Wilson is the absolute, to me, he should be the front runner here. Mike LaFleur, their new offensive coordinator, runs that very quarterback-friendly West Coast system. It's similar to what Zach Wilson ran at BYU. He's very mobile. They've made some additions like Elijah Vera Tucker on the offensive line. They've gotten better. They have a better coaching staff. I know we have a rookie head coach in, in Salo, but that doesn't mean that he can't be a good coach. He seems like he's at least got control of the situation, which is a nice start compared to what the Jets have had before. But the one thing I do worry about it's like when you talk about the Mets metting, I worry about the Jets jetting <laughs> and doing yeah, something yeah. where you go, what's going on? And it completely falls apart. I feel better about where the organization is right now. And Zach Wilson is the perfect fit between just personality, being comfort comfortable, it seems like, in that spotlight. But that offense is going to be very much suited for him. And you're right, playing time. He's going to get a lot of opportunities. And they're just going to say, go out and sling it because we don't have a lot of high expectations this year. So there's a very real possibility Zach Wilson puts up big numbers just from just usage alone with him. Yeah, I don't know if we'll see the Jets, though, going with the thumbs down to the fan base like the, like the Mets were or not. But I'm with you there. It does fans seem like will be the Jets if they start off like three and eight. So, oh, that's happening. Yeah, that's happening in the first game. The Jets will, right, will probably right. get booed still in the first game, Lots no matter what down. happens. Yeah, no question. So those are some of the rookie of the year candidates. And we got football, though, man. We're getting close. Thursday night football, it kicks it all off down in Tampa. They'll be all touching the Lombardi trophy as they walk through it and all the celebration, the banner unveiling. It's the Bucks hosting the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday night football. The Bucks seven and a half point favorites. That line's actually gone up from when it first opened earlier in the offseason. It's gone up to seven and a half. The total sitting at 51 and a half here. If we're looking at the spread in this game, I actually like the Cowboys plus seven and a half. Once it got up to there, if it was at six, six and a half. I would back the Bucs here because I do think the Bucs win this game, and, and a touchdown sounds about right. But at plus 7.5, it's the first game of the year. The Bucs last year got off to a slow start. Now, that was because it was it was Tom Brady, lack of an offseason. It took them until, uh, what, week 11, week 12 to get going. But I still think there still might be the time to, to catch the Bucs, at least uh, with not being as dominant and clicking on all cylinders. So this is, to me, a play for the Cowboys at plus 7.5 on Thursday night. Yeah, I'm actually going to go the other way. I like Tampa simply with the fact that I don't trust that Dallas defense. So a touchdown's not enough for me because of all those weapons that Tom Brady has at his disposal and the fact that they've been to get, like, I know Dallas upgraded when you just talk about system when it's, you know, and they went out and got some players defensively and they've tried to make, because, I mean, they were historically bad defense. I mean, it was, it was, they were throwing up all over themselves every single week defensively. It was unbelievable. I just don't trust what Dallas has defensively like right now. I also like the over in this game because Dallas does have a very potent offense, and I could see them being down early and then trying to find their way back and throwing the ball a lot and giving themselves an opportunity. I guess the real question is, is how healthy is Dak Prescott, though? And that's 
really going to be the question we have until the season gets going because the ankle's fine, but now we're talking about a shoulder, and that was a whole issue that's kind of run over this team for a while. So if Dak Prescott looks healthy in that game early, you certainly can hit the over. It's There are question marks that make me worried about putting anything on that that total, but I would I would be more comfortable leaning towards the over on that one. Yes, for me on, on the total, I'm probably just going to stay away from it on this game. I, I get the thought process uh, on the points being scored and certainly the Dallas defense. But I, I think on opening night games is a chance this thing is a little bit slower out, out of the gate, uh, a little bit slower paced than even where we, we've seen some of these these openers in the past from like last year or two years ago uh, when when you had uh, the, the team that, that won the Super Bowl the prior year and you look at some of the, the points that were scored in those games. I think this could be a little slower in the first half. Maybe it's an opportunity to take a look at first half total uh, as an opportunity to, to take the under. Maybe eventually they get to that over on the total for the game at, at 51. But the, the Cowboys, and I, I don't know how much you watch Hard Knocks, and, and Hard Knocks is just not what it used to be. I don't know. If Isn't that true? Like, it really it's, isn't anymore. They've lost the storylines. It's not the same. I, look, if I'm going to watch that, I need drama. For a while, it was fun seeing yes. behind the scenes. We've seen all that a million times. I watched Chad Ochocinco get cut. Fine. We see what that's like. I, I, the Cowboys look almost, by the way, functional. They don't look dysfunctional, which drives <laughs> right. me nuts. I'm going, wait a second. You got likable guys. They look like, other than Mike McCarthy doing that weird Austin Powers bit that he did when a lot of guys are he, looking around he's going, trying too Austin hard. Powers, he's, he, he's, he is. He seems yeah. like he's trying too hard to to be like the stereotypical coach that's got a camera in front of him. So that's happened. I, I Dak's an easy guy to root for if you if you if before the the injury even, but certainly post injury. And it, you saw the first episode where they really featured him. Like he's an easy guy to root for. But yeah, Mike McCarthy. If we're looking big picture with the Cowboys this year, and I know we did our NFC East look for the division. The, the the big issue for is how much faith do you have in, in Mike McCarthy? In addition to the to the health of Dak Prescott, is this throwing shoulder actually going to be? like a baseball-type injury where he has to get shut down midway through the season. I know they've been really doing uh, their best to, to put those worries aside ever since that first episode of Hard Knocks where he was just forced to stand there. Um, but th- this game, look, it's the, the Thursday night opener to kick off the season. It doesn't get any better than that. I think we're all fired up to, to get this thing rolling. So you're saying that you're not a fan of Mike McCarthy and the whole mojo bit. That That's not it's not going to work for you. Not at all. It doesn't do it know. for me yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> it is the Sunday spread here on BetQL. I'm Alex Gold. Nick Ashew with you. And we end the show every week with this. It's now time for the Hail Mary. Hail Mary, a long shot each week that we like to take here on the Sunday spread. And since the season hasn't started, how about a long shot bet for the season? I like the Tennessee Titans plus 1,800 to finish as the number one seed in the AFC. How's that? See, no homer pick there. I could have just gone with Kansas City. Plus 1,800, Nick. I think if you look at the Titans based on their division, they've got an opportunity to rack up wins. I think they're a big challenger to Kansas City and Buffalo for the number one seed. They're not better than Buffalo. They're not better than Kansas City. But because of that division, I think they have a chance to rack up some wins despite a tougher schedule than a year ago. And so at plus 1,800, I like the opportunity. I've got a long shot that I grabbed before he was named the starting quarterback. Jameis Winston to lead the NFL in interceptions at plus 2,600. <laughs> it's been bet down now, I think, to plus 1,600, but that still has value. The fact that he wasn't higher on this board to begin with is crazy to me. He's going to be in an offense that's going to throw the ball a lot. Now, he's going to be coached by a coach that knows how to get through to quarterbacks, and we've seen that. That being said, Jameis Winston still loves to sling it, and he loves to make big plays, but those big plays – also can come with big mistakes. At plus 2,600, Jameis Winston leading the NFL in interceptions. To me, that number is 
an easy one to jump on. And I jumped on it, and hopefully it comes through at the end of the season for me. Good call on your part there, certainly now that we know he is the guy, not Taysom Hill. And can Sean Payton fix enough from Jameis Winston? Otherwise, I do like that as well. A lot of fun. Football is back. We can all get started on Thursday. This has been the Sunday Spread. Thank you, Nick Ashew, for filling in this week. Grant Paulson back next week with me here on the Sunday Spread on BetQL.